0: If this life is driving you to drink You sitting round wondering just what to think Well I got some consolation I'll give it to you if I might You know I don't worry about a thing Cause I know nothing's gonna be alright
1: Hello I'm Melly Mae O'Hagan
0: I'm Owen Jones
1: And this is AgitPod our fortnightly podcast.
0: Woo! Exciting. I'm thrilled to see your, your little face. You look radiant, buoyant, I'd say.
1: Well, you've just put a very unflattering photo of us on Twitter, so I'm not sure about that, but I thank bad. you. I appreciate your lies.
0: Well, you know, that's what I'm here for, to churn up dishonesty to make you feel marginally better about yourself.
1: Surprised you haven't you haven't run for MP, to be honest, Owen, with that attitude. Oh!
0: Topical! Cutting topical satire! humour! From...
1: That is the kind of topical humour that you come to this podcast for.
0: It's both truth bombs whilst having a humorous edge. Yeah, I didn't deliver it very well
1: although it was a no. bad delivery. It was terrible, actually. Terrible. Yeah, Embarrassing. I've,
0: I think this is going to be the end of this particular podcast after, after yep. that debacle.
1: And maybe my entire career.
0: Well, that would be just desserts. Maybe. It's been <laughs> it's been building for a while.
1: Thanks. So anyway, today we don't have a guest. Um, well,
0: we do. We have the listeners, in a yeah, sense. Yeah. They're amongst us. It's like
1: when during Time Magazine, they picked their person of the year, and one year it was you. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you lot. You guys.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so we are being that lame. We're Um, there
0: staring into your eyes, stroking your hair.
1: Caressing you. (laughs) Turned a corner I was not expecting. Turned
0: into a sex cast.
1: (laughs) I've always said it's an incremental erotic podcast. (laughs) We're gonna start with politics and move to erotica at a a pace slow, so slow, no one will even notice the change. (laughs) that's my long-term plan it's gonna
0: be hardcore pornography by the time we're finished yeah uh so what we've done today as well what we've done is ask you you out there we've we've sent this tweet saying what should we be talking about
1: with the unflattering photo of me
0: and and um, brian williams To uh, he suggests the overthrow of the establishment and cake for all we can confirm that upon the establishment of socialism in this country there will be two major changes cake for all but also um plug sockets that work in every every train seat area
1: Free Wi-Fi on trains, and we all know how I feel about that.
0: That was in the Labour manifesto, and that was, I think, the single policy that excited you the most.
1: Yeah, I also, I still maintain that the election won, was won by that policy. <laughs> v- um, do you know what? <laughs> Viva the Wi-Fi. Yeah,
0: exactly. Everyone goes on <laughs> about like, the dementia tax and no. and public ownership. But
1: no one saw this election coming, but I did, because I knew that <laughs> policy was a winner.
0: <laughs> and that's what swung it in Kensington and, um,
1: and Canterbury. Canterbury.
0: People are like, do you know what? Free Wi-Fi on trains. I'm
1: sick of having to pay £6 an hour for my Wi-Fi.
0: So, yes, Brian Williams, we will be overthrowing the establishment and, in the aftermath, cake for all will be distributed on the basis of need.
1: Let them eat cake will become a socialist slogan because everyone will have cake.
0: (laughs) Everyone will have cake. Yeah. Tom Bracey, will there be another election before 2022? Is there any way we can force one? Ellie Mayer-Hagan, over to you.
1: Well, I have some thoughts on this because... Both Owen and I uh, started out in in our kind of London political journeys in the anti-austerity movement. Owen was part of an occupation at UCL, University University College London, and I helped found a movement called UK Uncut, which protested against tax avoidance. And in the anti-austerity movement in 2010, particularly with young people, there was this belief that the coalition government, Lib Dems and Tories, would break up. In fact, one of the aims of the student movement was to kind of fracture the coalitions by by like sort of shaming Lib Dems almost for, for going back on their promise on tuition fees. Turns out
0: they had no shame.
1: Yeah. Well, and basically it didn't work. And the reason for this, I think, is that um, politicians like power and they don't give it up unless they really, really have to. And um, they're definitely not going to give it up out of a sense of embarrassment or because they want to please people. So I think... Yes, there could be election between 2022, but I think that this minority government won't just fall apart on its own. I think it needs pressure from below. So yes, there can be another election, but there has to be a campaign with that specific aim. We can't just kind of wait for it to happen because I think no matter how dysfunctional the relationship gets between the DUP and the Tories, it will will never get so dysfunctional that they actually think it's worth giving up power for. Yeah, that's I, my take. What's I take? would.
0: I, I think that's a good hot take. Um, I I'd second that. I think. I think the issue is that, um, look, Theresa May has had a bit of a mare. She called an election to destroy the Labour Party. How did that one turn out, Theresa? I know she's listening.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Every week going, why are they tarnishing me on their podcast? I'm such a loyal listener.
0: (laughs) (laughs) She's, you know, we appreciate all listeners, including our humiliated prime minister so anyway that rebounded uh on her face uh quite a lot her face <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean it didn't go well let's just stick with that but i think you know, the issue now is they're absolutely terrified by the prospect of a corbyn labor government which is probably the sweetest sentence i've ever had to say in my entire <laughs> yeah, yeah, life yeah, yeah. but they are like you know one political journalist at the sunday times put it to me that he just said the fear they have of corbyn labor government the tories is way beyond uh, their normal fear of 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 any other Labour government. And, uh, you know, they don't want a what would be a socialist government to come to power in this country in 2017. Uh, and so at the moment, what they're doing is that everything is about how do we cling on to power for as long as possible. Now, what they're doing, Theresa May, and this is why, you know, I mean, we all love mocking Theresa May, but th- there is a problem with that, isn't there, really? Because what they're doing, as some commentators have already pointed out, there's a Guardian article about this, they're using as a human shield. So the idea is, we all get really pent up with rage and anger and fury about Theresa May, and
1: she absorbs it all.
0: Exactly, and she just stands there. Poor, it's pretty grim, isn't it? She just stands there, just taking it all, and then they just d- dispose of her when she's been completely destroyed, and then go surprise. We're going to reboot ourselves. Yeah. We're new like, and fresh. It's
1: like lancing a boil, isn't it? It's like
0: that's disgusting. Some people might be eating well, those things a, like that. It's just they don't want really to hear about post. Filled boils exploding with pus seeping everywhere.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's a shame this is a podcast because you missed the look on Owen's face <laughs> when he said that to me. So pleased with himself, as pleased with himself as Theresa May was the day that she called that election. <laughs> that is how pleased. But with now I was. feel
0: the same shame as she feels in <laughs> <an> embarrassment. <laughs>
1: It's a rollercoaster of emotions. <laughs> it's happened so quickly. <laughs> okay, next question. Let's no, no, just on that though. Okay, quickly. Go on. And and so what they're
0: doing is obviously they've formed this al- uh, this alliance with the political wing of the 17th century. Uh, I think people in the 17th century would be embarrassed by some of the DPs' attitudes. They tried to ban line dancing once. <laughs> <And> Everybody
1: <they're- laughs> really love line dancing. What's wrong with line dancing? It's
0: heretical. Um, they're homophobes. They're anti-choice. They're climate change deniers. Um, and they sectarian extremists. Lovely bunch of people not helping to run the country. Um, but what they'll do is that their view is, you know, if, the, if Theresa May falls, they fear that would cause a massive internal civil war within the Tories. Uh, uh, they don't. who do they have to take over Boris Johnson uh, Michael Gove I'd love that it wouldn't last very long um,
1: do you remember when he like gave his leadership speech and he was like I have neither charm nor charisma
0: <laughs> like yeah second no, we
1: told it like it is yeah but
0: you've got some self-awareness so there's, <laughs> there's always that um, so yeah they, they don't have many good options and they fear that would end up meaning they'd have to have another election in which they would lose very very badly indeed and, and we'll talk about this Labour now it's machine it's outriders momentum are all raring to go not to do what happened in this election which was defensive hold on to Labour seats this time round it will be take every single Tory on Boris Johnson Ian Duncan Smith although Amber Rudd all of those Tory MPs now face losing every single one of them uh, not every single one but a lot of them uh, to the Labour Party so that's what they're doing they're just clinging on using Theresa May as a human shield so we've got to remember the problem is the Tories, not Theresa
1: right next oh, question
0: refresh oh Dean Morris, FGM, let's see how brave you really are. That's female genital mutilation. I think the implication there is that I wouldn't want to speak about it, even though my newspaper, The Guardian, ran a long-running campaign against female genital mutilation, which is a horror which we need to extinguish.
1: Female genital mutilation is bad. Next question. Jack Tanner, should we
0: put the DUP in charge of Brexit negotiations, given how much they mugged the Tories off? Yeah, Yeah, I mean, on one level I see what you're doing there, because the Conservative Party are a crumpled, embarrassed mess who got outmanoeuvred by this bunch of extremists. And that said, I wouldn't want this bunch of extremists, like, washing my windows, let alone running Brexit negotiations or anything else for that matter. Yeah,
1: it'd probably be like the Handmaid's Tale if they got the chance to shape Britain.
0: That is basically the future of this country as it currently stands. But it is the point, look, a billion pounds for Northern Ireland. Do you know what? It's going to be good for Northern Ireland, that billion pounds. It's going to be good for education, for health, for infrastructure, for jobs, for living standards, the economy. That's that's what public investment does. The problem is they're ending austerity in Northern Ireland, but it continues for everyone else. So if public investment is so good for Northern Ireland, which I think it is, then it should be good for... Wales, I know you like Wales.
1: Yeah, well, we need, we need money. We've got, like, the uh, most pov- impoverished areas in Northern Europe and Wales, and um, we could really use 1.5 billion. There's only, like, 5 million people in Wales or something like that, you know. It could really really go around 1.5 billion. Well, the 5
0: million he stayed rather than the traitors he left.
1: Hey. You look really hurt. Yeah, it did. <laughs> and then let me just left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm leaving. Uh also, when you think about uh how little in comparison has been offered to the survivors of Grenfell Tower. Mm. Like 5 million isn't that what they've been offered? It just seems it seems insulting that there's obviously that much money available to just be thrown around.
0: And and also is you know, cuz they during the election Theresa May told the nurse who said, do you know what? I'm not that happy about having my pay cut every single year in real terms because of the pay freeze. And she said, oh, there's no magic money tree. Uh, she, I mean, sticking a finger up at her would have been marginally less insulting than, than that response. Uh, and it turned out there was obviously a magic money tree. But now, I don't know if you've seen what's been going on. They started doing a U-turn on the public sector pay freeze, which it, de facto means public sector workers, have, because of inflation, get um, a pay cut every year. And, and lots of Tories came out and said... Oh, it needs to end. And, you know, Michael Fallon, cabinet ministers like that. And now they've U-turned on the U-turn by saying nothing has changed, which is the same words that Theresa May used about the dementia tax when she tried to row back on that. This is actually, I don't know what you think about this, Ellie. I'm actually quite embarrassed to be ruled by this coalition of chaos, to coin a phrase.
1: Yeah, I just keep thinking about what Europe must think of us. Like, Ooh. the fact that we're going into Brexit negotiations now. And I just feel like we're just an embarrassment.
0: Someone on Twitter said it's more embarrassing than, like, you know, when a waiter says enjoy your meal and you say you too.
1: Yeah, 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 Or yeah. <laughs> well, like, when it's your birthday and someone says happy birthday and you say, oh, thanks, you too. And then you're like, oh, no, wait. It's like...
0: Yeah, this government's more embarrassing than all the embarrassing scenarios yeah. you can possibly conjure up. Actually,
1: my friend, she knows that I tell this story all the time. She once received an email from a client that she was working for, and instead of pressing forward, she pressed reply and wrote, can you believe what this woman named her child and included three shocked-faced emojis and then sent it. This is more embarrassing than that. This
0: is definitely more embarrassing than that. So a friend of ours called Paul Hilda uh, has been in touch. Paul Hilda is a brilliant uh, organiser, I guess, and he he does, he does helps run something called Pack, which fundraises for movements. And what he's done is he's uh, he's just sent a link which uh, says, give Labour the momentum to win, hashtag for the many. And, and that's getting people to donate because what momentum, which we set up um, to harness the energy of the first Labour leadership contest to try and get a grassroots movement to support the ideas, the vision, Um, of Jamie Corbyn and so on. Um, And what they're doing now is having a permanent general election. Jamie Corbyn says that has now. We've got to be in a permanent general election footing. Who knows, an election could happen in October, and then Jamie Corbyn will be the prime minister of this country, possibly, if we all pull our fingers out. So now what's going to happen is they're going to do big campaigns across the country. What I'm going to do a plug now. What I'm doing is I'm going to do these campaign days to try and go for uh tory mps who are vulnerable ian duncan smith for example uh ian duncan smith is responsible the architect for some of the worst tory policies imaginable i, I once confronted him on question time uh, about his treatment of disabled people he said i think we've heard enough from you young man or something <laughs> um anyway he you know the cruelty uh, the, the bedroom tax all of those things he's responsible for he had a majority of about eight and a half thousand uh in 2015 it's now gone down uh, to less than 2,500. He's ripe for the taking. Boris Johnson, Uxbridge and a uh, or Reuslip, someone corrected me the other day. Rice Reuslip. He had a majority of 10,000, which has been half to 5,000. We can take these people out. I mean, just to clarify, as in out of their parliamentary seats, uh, they will lose if, if we put in, you know, put in a bit of effort. So what I'm appealing to people to do now is I know a lot of you are like, oh, blimey, we just had a general election and knackered having knocked on doors or rang friends or did angry social media posts. Um, But we've we've got to be ready uh, and we've got to go on the offensive. We're not trying to just keep seats. We're trying to win seats. Uh, So we've got to now target people like Boris Johnson, Innocence, Amber Rudd. She's only got a few hundred. Philip Davies... Most I thought obnoxious it was
1: 45 was her majority. No,
0: I think it's a bit more than that, but it oh. doesn't matter, she's she's there for the taking. Um, and Philip Davies in Shipley, who's I think the most obnoxious oh, Tory he's MP the on worst. earth,
1: he's the worst. He actually tried to filibuster a bill to give women more protection who've been in victims of domestic violence. He's the worst,
0: he is the worst, but he'll soon be a former Tory MP. But it's up to you to, you know, so come on, everyone, get revved up. Imagine it, the Tories out of power. The only problem is, though, is they know that at the moment they're, they're on course for a, a hashtag beating. So what? They will try and cling on for as long as possible. So we do need to build up momentum, no pun intended, uh, to 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 force them to have an election because we don't have strong and stable government, which we need.
1: I've got a question. It's from Natan Kol, which is K-O-L. Um, is there room in today's Labour for centrist social democrats? I'm going to let you kick off with that
0: one, Owen. Uh, Yeah, Um, I think Labour's a broad church, but I think people have to accept the vision and the policies aren't going anywhere. They're now the accepted consensus. You know, I think there was always two types of MP. There was one type of MP... Who would have thought? Do you know what I personally like these policies, but the public are never going to vote for them put together. Um, And then there was another type of MP who, let's just be brutally honest, uh, didn't think the policies could win, but didn't want them to. They didn't like them. They didn't like that kind of program. Tony Blair once said, if you know, if he had the, you know, he wouldn't want to win if he thought it was possible with a left wing program. So I think you've got to distinguish between those two MPs. I think a lot of MPs, actually, with the election went oh, wow, the electorate are more left-wing than we thought they were. So now we can just really, you know, fight and say the things we believe in. Um, Others probably less so. But I do think now there just has to be a united Labour Party. And I think, you know, this is a bit like the end of the 70s when the post-war consensus established by Clement Attlee's Labour government began to collapse. That was state intervention, strong trade unions, public ownership, higher taxes on the rich. Um, and in the Tory party, there was a division between the, the Wets, if you like, who were seen as kind of, they, they thought Thatcher was going way too far, uh, and those who were the loyal Thatcherites, and the Wets became increasingly isolated, or they just became Thatcherites. So what I'd say to centrists in the Labour Party is, you know, of course there's a place for people of you know, a range of traditions in the Labour Party, but I think now everyone has to accept those policies and those vision and the leadership, that they're not going anywhere. Jeremy Corbyn will remain leader of the Labour Party for as long as he likes. And those policies and those ideas are now the absolute consensus of the Labour Party. No one can say that they will lead to electoral ruin anymore. 40% of the people voted for them and we're on course at the moment to win the next general election. So, yeah, I just think we need unity and the centrists need to... We all just need to accept those policies.
1: I think, for me, it depends on the centrist, <laughs> Because... <laughs> I think And you're
0: gonna you're you gonna be the big handle you're gonna be the Robespierre, aren't you?
1: Always. Always. More like the Lenin. Yeah. I would love to be the Lenin. You're a bit Lenin. Um, anyway, so I think yeah, I think it depends on the centrist, because I, I think um, there are some people who would regard themselves as centrists, like as you say, because they like left wing policies, but they have an idea about what is politically possible and what isn't. But I think there are some people who regard themselves as centrists because they genuinely quite like the neoliberal consensus like while I'm not saying that they shouldn't be allowed in the Labour Party because I think you know people should be able to join the Labour Party if they want to whatever I do think that there's a problem there's a problem with that now because that isn't what the Labour Party is anymore and I also think that that neoliberal consensus is definitely falling apart so I think that basically their views are kind of quite outdated and they need to update their views because
0: they're wedded to something that is disintegrating that's the problem and it's like yeah
1: yeah they need to smell the coffee they need to coffee the coffee And I, Yeah, and so I think, like, obviously I think, um, yeah, they can be in the Labour Party, but I just, I'm not really willing to work with anybody who uh, wants to keep the neoliberal consensus. But I think think
0: that's the thing, I think now, I mean, it reminds me of, so James Callaghan, the former Labour Prime Minister in the late 70s, just before he got turfed out by Margaret Thatcher, he said, you know there are times, perhaps, once every 30 years when there is a sea change in politics. It does not matter what you say, what you do. I suspect there is now a sea change and it is for Mrs Thatcher. So what his view at the time was, it doesn't matter if you want to keep the place for consensus. The winds just had turned. The shift in opinion is just against that, against collectivism, against unions, against state involvement and all the rest. And this time round, you know, if the winds were discontent, those public sector strikes summed up the collapse of that consensus and the right used it as their kind of bogeyman story. But I think this time the Grenfell Tower atrocity sums up the collapse of this order. Privatisation, deregulation, let the market do what it wants. Don't give working class people a voice.
1: Yeah, and a, a, a attitude that borders along on callousness for working class people. Mm-hmm. I think, um, yeah, I think for me, like on a personal level, which this isn't really about political analysis, it's just where I stand personally. I think since 2010, which is when I sort of went from being a fair weather activist who went to marches to being like a real hard or in their political activist. Like Pankhurst on speed. Yeah, I was definitely better than a suffragette. That's what I'm trying to say. I am more relevant than the suffragettes. <laughs> that's, so that's definitely what I'm saying without a hint of irony. That's going
0: to be quoted now. Yeah. Verbatim and people. Yeah. Good look, look with if you your could, Twitter feed.
1: If you could make one of those JPEGs of my face and just put a, like a quote next to it of me saying, I am more relevant than the suffragettes, <laughs> that'd be really great. If anyone out there could do that.
0: I think that will happen though, which is a real problem. <laughs> yeah. And people is. say, I can't believe you said that. Did you say it or not? Yeah, but let me explain. Did you say it or not? Let me explain. It, but Did I meant... yes. No further questions, Your Honour?
1: Yeah, and I think so on a personal level, yeah, because I sort of was so involved in activism and the whole point of it was to try and break this sort of neoliberal consensus that I felt had led to the austerity programme and I think has caused incredible amounts of damage to the social fabric of this country. Mm. So for me, on a personal level, I don't feel able to politically work with anybody who is comfortable with the neoliberal consensus because it's just so far from my politics.
0: And now people just have to accept, don't they? They have to go, was what you were saying before basically pessimism, the public just won't accept this, I'd love it if they did, or was it like, no, just love neoliberalism?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, because people who like, were, like people who were genuinely like, I don't want austerity, I don't want mm. neoliberalism, but the political climate means that I have to accept a certain level of it in order to kind of make some changes. And those people, who, and maybe mm. now they're like, you know, now I feel free to reject all of that. With those people, I'm like, yeah, great, you're great, fine. I get why you thought that, fine. But with people who are just like, no, nope, it'll do for me. No, I, I feel like, no, those people, I can't work with them, really. I don't mean that in a hostile way. Like, I'll still be nice, friendly to them. But I'm t- in terms of, like, political work... When
0: you put them in a headlock and, and, and kind of give, them, give a, them a I'll give them a nuggy. What is that again? I can't a remember. nuggie
1: is when you, like, put someone in a headlock. So their head is, like, through your... Mm. in your arm... And then you, like, rub the top of their head with your knuckles. That's so, a nuggie. It's uh,
0: so another example of the violent, hateful left here yeah. in action. so much
1: for the tolerant left. <laughs> nuggies left, right and centre.
0: So basically what we'll get out of this podcast is you've said you're more relevant than the suffragettes and you're basically inciting uh, nuggies against your opponents.
1: Yeah, it was all going so well. I was on the Andrew Marr show last week and everything. and it's all just all gone down the pan. She's pretty good, actually. Thanks. Did you watch it?
0: Uh, no. Oh. I haven't yet. Sorry, but everyone said you were. Um, <laughs> Alistair Leslie, Labour need to get over their third time of losing an election. Yeah, I think the thing is about that, Alistair, is, to be honest with you, we lost very badly in 2015, got a bit of a drubbing, and there was a slight unfortunate uh, mishap of losing the entirety of Scotland rather than one seat, uh, that being Labour's traditional stomping ground, a heartland. It was, you know, 41 out of 56 seats were Labour collapsed to one. Uh, so that was always going to make it very hard. Um, but also... Yeah, I mean, Labour lost really badly, got 30% of the vote. It was uh, it was grim. And what this election was called on the basis Labour were about 20, 25 points behind. It looked catastrophic, all the polling, the by-elections, the local by-elections, the local elections that took place <laughs> not that long ago, just a few weeks ago, were really, really bad for Labour. Um, and, it, you know, and, and Labour had been in chaos for a very long time, internal, you know, ruckus. So to go from 30% to 40%, which is the biggest, Labour's biggest increase in the share of the vote since Attlee um, in 1945. And there's a small issue of World War II then. And to win in seats like Kensington and Canterbury, where they've never won before, to make inroads into Scotland, uh, to mobilise young voters and non-voters in a way people said would not be possible, winning over lots of UKIP voters. You know, the idea was all UKIP voters would go to the Tories, most did but certainly not all you know all of these things happened and the Tories lost their majority they lost everyone lost the election this time uh, but the Tories were seen on course to get 180 seat majority so now the Tories in absolute chaos um and labor now are way ahead in the polling they're heading towards 50% under Jamie Corbyn in 2017, that is the parallel universe we've now entered. So the the truth is, the Tories are clinging on to power, bribing a load of fanatics in uh, the DP uh, in order to cling on to power. So you can go na 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 nah, losers, but all I would say is I've got lots of very very rattled right wingers in my timeline at the moment. They're very angry and all the rest of it, and that's not normally a sign of being kind of like uh,
1: triumphant.
0: No. There's not much triumph going on. There's lots of very upset and worried and rattled right wingers, and all I need to say is they have every reason to be rattled because at the moment they're heading for they're heading for defeat.
1: I think um, a lot of people have been saying to me, "Well, why is everyone so happy when Labour lost the election?" Um, and first of all, what are you talking about, Jeremy Corbyn's prime minister? Yeah, hello. Uh, anyway, but like, I think the reason I think to be clear, the reason why the left is so happy about the election result. It's not just because it was a hung parliament. It's not because it's a hung parliament. It's because the mantra that the left cannot win from a left-wing platform has been completely disproven by this election. And I think that is what has been really exciting, is that it's been the most left-wing platform, I think, that Labour possibly has ever had
0: Well, relative to the time, I suppose.
1: Yeah, relative to the time. And yet it's had its best result, its biggest swing since 1945. And I think that's why everybody's really happy because, you know, since 1983, 1983 is like the Labour Party's um, boogeyman that's been used as a way of stopping the Labour Party from moving to the left for over 20 years. You know, every time the Labour Party has flirted with the idea of like lurching to the left as it is called by people on the centre and the right you know, the argument is, well, you don't want to end up like Michael Foot and totally crashing out. And I think what this... In fact, I was on the Spectator podcast earlier today um, and we were talking about how a couple of years ago, right before Jeremy Corbyn got elected, I was on it then, and they were all talking about 1983 and they were saying that Jeremy Corbyn, because he's even further to the left um, than Michael Foote... He
0: was a rebel against Michael Foote for being not left-wing enough. Yeah. That the,
1: um, <laughs> the, the, the result would be even worse. And so I think what this election has done is it's a like totally destroyed that kind of mythology that's kind of kept labor in the center for such a long time and b it's sort of shown that like left-wing ideas are popular and that is why people are really excited about it oh and finally this election result is just a base from which people are going to build that's the other thing as well
0: yeah we're coming for you yeah Uh, there's a question here from marco do you want to just read it out
1: Oh, um well he's got the cat emoji and the aubergine emoji. So I'm sorry, I'm just gonna be crass. I think what he's saying is pussy and dick are normally popular topics That's to talk about on Ellie. The- he's just got a picture of a
0: cat and an aubergine. He's suggesting we should talk about our feline companions and and uh popular vegetable used in many recipes.
1: Okay. Um well we have a cat right here.
0: Kia. Kia he who's named after Kia Hardy. He's sitting kind of meditating, listening to this podcast, thinking, blimey.
1: And we don't have any aubergines. No. We do have some strawberry chocolates, though. Uh Uh,
0: He also wants to talk about use of Tories in EU citizens' rights. Right. So, I think Marco himself, Mm -hmm. I don't know, hes an EU immigrant here. The three million um, EU citizens in this country who help prop up our services, who help the economy, who are our neighbours, our friends, our lovers our one night stands but these are people who help prop up this country and they're being treated obviously they've been this idea of using them as bargaining chips so now what the government is saying is that they'll have to apply for id cards uh, david davis the brexit minister several years ago uh, resigned and caused a by-election over his opposition to id cards which he's now saying e citizens need to get but he said it's not EU. he said go on you say what did yeah, he say yeah he
1: said they're not id cards they are cards of identification <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for clarifying, <laughs> David Davis. Who, by the way, David Davis ran for Tory leader in 2005, and his campaign was him surrounded by buxom women that had t-shirts written, I'm with double D on them. Astonishing. So very uh, statesman he Says
0: he's pro-civil rights, repeatedly voted against LGBT rights. And the reason I say this, actually, is because they are going to try and get rid of Theresa May and basically... Uh, replace her with someone they'll go, oh, it's a reboot, and he'll be one of them, and he is absolutely unacceptable. But you know, there was an article in The Guardian by Tanya uh, Brutelman, who is an EU citizen here, and saying, you know, that what Theresa May is saying is leaving people like her in limbo. I think it's disgraceful, actually, that EU citizens, many of whom are both mine and Ellie's actual friends, mm-hmm. uh, are genuinely fearful, genuinely scared. I think it's. There are many things which this government is currently doing which embarrasses and shames this country, um, and this has to be one of them.
1: I have nothing more to add to that. Okay, my friend Nick English, who is a writer for Squawker, which is a football website, check it out, it's very good, Uh, he challenges us to rank the Tory party leaders from best to worst since Major. So we've got David Cameron, Ian Duncan-Smith, Theresa May, Michael Howard, John Major and William Hague. I suppose we should clarify first what is the what is how do we how are we defining worst because obviously for us w- the worst one would be the most effective one.
0: Yeah, I suppose so. What well, I don't know what I would always say look David Cameron is the worst prime minister we've had. Um and I was going to say originally what I did I wrote an article cuz I the worst prime minister we've had since Neville Chamberlain. But then and when I wrote that piece a load of Twitter historians got in touch and said no 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 because Neville Chamberlain helped like the rearmament process he was critical in that. Uh, which was obviously very important in defeating Nazi Germany. So they said, no, you need to go back to Lord North in the 18th century, (laughs) who was prime minister when Britain had, uh, you know, accidentally lost the American colonies because of the War of Independence. But then what happened is David David Cameron was then became the worst prime minister since the 18th century. And Theresa May went, hold my beer. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I think, so I think David Cameron, it, it, I mean, because you could say, well, David Cameron did better than them, because at least he won an election, because if he was the only one who won an election, I bet he wishes he'd never won it, because, well, apparently when he won the election in 2015, when it was seen that was impossible, the toys had no chance, the best they could hope for was another coalition, and it, when he won it, he said he'd, he, apparently he said he'd, you know, he died and went to heaven, uh, but that then meant he had to fulfil a manifesto pledge, which was an e-referendum, which if he lost and had to do with coalition, he probably would have had to, like, you know, the agreement would have been to not have a referendum. So And that, holding that referendum, then destroyed him. So that didn't help him. So I think... he's
1: He's just a complacent little posh boy. That's what I could never stand about David Cameron. Like, you know, for all of the things that I think about, like, the rest of the leaders, you know, that have come and gone since Major... Well, at least I could say that they they cared a bit about Mm. the leadership. I don't agree with anything that they, any of their principles, but even like, you know, someone like IDS, at least he like believes all that nonsense. Whereas like David Cameron, when he was asked, why do you want to become prime minister? He said, because I think I'd be rather good at it. And I just think, doesn't that sum him up? He doesn't have anything that he believes in. He just liked the idea of doing a job that sounded prestigious. He just carried himself through his entire term like he didn't give a shit about anyone or anything, and then he held this disastrous referendum that has like led to all of this political chaos ever since. And now he's just like fucked off and gone back to his privileged lifestyle where he wears like three hundred pounds swimming shorts and goes on holiday in like mm. million pound villas. And he said before the general
0: election in twenty fifteen, Britain faces a simple and inescapable choice stability and strong government with me, or chaos with Ed Miliband. And all we have had since then is just stability and strength. Coming out of that, no chaos. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, both David Cameron and Theresa May, for parties and reasons, have plunged this country into chaos and basically reduced this country to a laughing stock in Europe. It is pretty humiliating. If you think about it, it does make you quite angry because they spend all this time going, we are the only bulwarks against chaos. That's what Labour would do. But all the Tories have done for the last year, over a year now, is systematically, for parties and reasons, and just calamitous misfiring decisions, plunged Britain into turmoil and chaos.
1: I just think that David Cameron conducted himself like a kid who was part of, like, take your son to work day. Do you know what I mean? Like running around the office, sort of trashing it, being an inconvenience to everybody. And then when he got bored, he kind of went home. That was like how he treated his time in office. So in answer to your question, Nick, I don't know, but David Cameron is definitely the worst. He's the
0: worst one. And IDS is just the worst because he was uh, working pension secretary and what he did.
1: Probably Uh, major, I would say, is is the one that I'm least offended by.
0: Yeah, and actually, you know, he's come out and he's kind of covering himself in glory in terms of what he said about the stitch up the DUP being a threat to the Northern Irish peace process, because of what it means is... The British government is can't call itself a neutral arbiter in Northern Ireland, and I think actually the the thing about John Major he was a hapless, useless prime minister. But the people around him, he'd be called bastards. <laughs> again, <laughs> endears me to him. Yeah, they were the real po- it
1: like it is, Major. I mean, he was
0: bad and did lots of things like private he privatised the railways, those sorts of things. But the people around him were always the worst. So I think John Major, I would say, out of all of them, comes out best, even though he led the Tories to a terrible election defeat. Whilst David Cameron is just. No, but Theresa May now, though. Theresa May is the worst. I
1: feel like I I almost hate David Cameron more. <laughs> also, I have a sort of weird soft spot for John Major because... You fancy him. That is grotesque. I'm not even going to join in that joke because that's... I feel like Kier does when he has to cough up a furball. No, because my brother was... How old was my brother? My brother was four in 1992. Yeah. And he was like... He's always been really mischievous. And he used to do this impression of John Major where he'd go, Hello, I'm John Major as, like, a four-year-old. So whenever I hear John Major, it always reminds me of my little brother being, like, a mischievous four-year-old. So I've got this weird, like, affection for John Major. Should
0: we get John Major on the podcast?
1: Yeah, let's have him. He's Well, he's like a barrel of laughs, isn't he? Yeah. We could do it in the bath. He's got unstoppable charisma. No, please.
0: Well, no. you know, like him and Idrina Curry... <laughs> In
1: the, oh, in Edwina Curry. Edwina Curry who like trolls <laughs> Owen on Twitter, which is just remarkable <laughs> It to was me.
0: hilarious. She joined Twitter and she kept literally trolling me in this most systematic way possible. Her Twitter bio, by the way, is literally blocked by Owen Jones. That's it. Yeah, her. I
1: thought it was a spoof account. <laughs> no, when but I that's what I was
0: gonna say. It. And when I did she was just trolling me in the most ridiculous way possible. And everyone's like, Owen, don't be ridiculous. That's obviously not Edwina Curry. <laughs> I was if she was She's be, like, no,
1: really, it's me, Edwina yeah, it's, Curry. And, and also, geez. I had sex with John Major, which for some reason I keep telling everyone about in grotesque detail why does she do that i know it's like a dude no one wants to
0: know have have some self-respect <laughs> right so ellie we do have a very exciting guest on our podcast next week
1: yeah she is a definitely a political hero of mine which i say without exaggeration i think her first book was one of the most influential books on me that i've ever read and she's traveled all the way from north america to to be on our podcast.
0: Yeah, that's definitely why she's traveled. She,
1: that is the only reason yeah. that she's in London. Yeah,
0: she's not doing anything else. She's just coming for the podcast.
1: Yep, she spent all that money on the flight <laughs> just to spend half an hour in Owen Jones's kitchen.
0: Um, It is Naomi
1: Klein. Naomi Klein? Hello. The Naomi Klein? Yeah, not
0: another Naomi Klein, not someone with the same name who's not her. <laughs> Imagine
1: if it was just like Naomi Klein from Basingstoke. <laughs> it's like. It's just come down just by coincidence. By
0: plane as well, which is weird.
1: Yeah, yeah, weird.
0: <laughs> Naomi the
1: Klein, the actual incredible woman that is Naomi Klein. I do love the it. The absolute she... girl, Naomi Klein. Because
0: she is a hero. I uh she had a big influence on me growing up. Um no logo and all the rest of it. And mm. the anti-capitalist movement of the late naughty uh, sorry, the late nineties. She had a huge influence on me. But uh, she's also just lovely.
1: She's a lovely, lovely person and considering she the level her. of her brilliance, has, like, no ego, which is remarkable, because if anyone... No
0: logo, no ego. <laughs> yeah.
1: If anybody deserves an ego, it's Naomi Klein, but she doesn't have one. She's very, very lovely. Very so it'll be a big
0: loving. No, but seriously, it's going to be lots of fun. Um, so, look, everyone, all I would say is a little rousing little rah, which is, we've you know, we've all got to go out there knocking on doors, campaigning, permanent election time. We've got to take down the Tories.
1: Yeah, but, and please join the Labour Party, if you haven't already, Um, now is the time and also think about joining Momentum a friend of mine went to their meeting in North London a while ago obviously a lot of you aren't from London but maybe you have local Momentum groups and he said it was really great and everybody was really friendly and it was really useful and I've had a few interactions with Momentum because I've interviewed their members and I've been along to their events and they really are just a bunch of really nice people and i would honestly recommend it to get involved because you'll have so much fun and you really do feel like you're doing something when you do that kind of activism you
0: do and they are super awesome fun people and um also had an amazing impact on the election so on that little note uh it has been a pleasure as always uh we will be back with naomi uh next week uh so this is me owen jones
1: signing out and me ellie mayo hagan Count down the days until we have Naomi Klein on our podcast. Bye. Bye. But I don't worry about a
0: thing because I know nothing's going to be all right.